0: Mitchell Berean um, is, uh, is committed to a number of things. One of the things that we recognize as a church is that we need to provide support for the people that attend this church. People that walk through these doors. And um, there's some things that we need to provide so that we're a strong church. So that people that come here can find help, can find support as they engage uh, oftentimes what is a crazy life that we all live, a difficult world we live in with a lot of things going on, a lot of struggles. And so we want to provide that support. And so one of the things that Mitchell Berean Church believes in is that we believe in circles. We believe in circles. We want to provide circles for the people that come to this church. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, that's what it means. Um, we're sitting in rows today. All right. And rows are good because rows allow us to learn. When we sit in rows, uh if the if the preacher's doing a good job on the weekends, then we learn something, right? And and we're uh we move along in our walk with Jesus. But what we recognize is that groups or circles is really essential for our church and the people who attend here to grow as well. It's important that we sit in a circle and we look at each other. And we get to know more than just to say, hi, how you doing on a Sunday or a Saturday night? And, uh, you know, in and in just a very shallow touch with each other. But we need to go a little deeper. We need to get to know each other a little bit more. And we need to be there for each other to encourage and lift up. And all I know is that I've been a part of uh, small groups or life groups Mary and I have for most of our marriage And uh, it's been an important part in our lives. And so we're going to kick off this session of Life Groups today. We've got some tables out in the lobby with groups that have some openings in them. Uh, Some of you guys are already in Life Groups, and that's fine. You don't need to do anything. Just go to your group when it kicks off. Uh, Maybe it already has. But we're going to kind of officially start something new in a couple of weeks. The last Sunday of this month, we're going to go through a growth campaign together. All right, so we're going to do something as a whole church together, and it's going to involve our life groups, and it's going to involve Sunday mornings, and we're going, to, we're going to enter kind of a focused time of learning and growing together. See, my responsibility is a couple of things. One is to provide places for discipleship to happen that includes life groups and other things, but it's also to make sure that we're reaching out to the world around us. That as a church, we're not just focused on us and our needs, but we're looking to reach out to the, to the world around, and we're taking the gospel to them, and we're serving them and ministering to them. And so there's a series or a campaign that we're going to go through this fall, starting the last Sunday of this month, and it's going to go through about mid-November. It's called Be the Message. And Be the Message is all about this. Look, we're, not called, um, we're called to live out the gospel in the places that we live, work, and play. The places in our neighborhoods where God has put us there to, be, to rub shoulders with people and to minister to them and to serve them and to be a message of hope for them. In the places we work and in the places where we recreate and play. And so those key areas, it's so important that we learn to be a, a witness for Jesus. And that doesn't mean that we're preaching at people, you know, we're beating them over the head with the Bible. That's not what it means. It means that we're living out our faith that we're actually caring and, for and loving the people around us. And so we're going to be starting that. Again, we've got a couple of weeks of, of life group sign-ups, and then we're going to go into that uh, campaign, and we're going to do that together. It lasts about seven weeks. And I think you're going to be encouraged. And so I just ask you um, to pray about that and be ready for it. And one of the things we want to do to prepare ourselves, to prepare our hearts and our minds and to get ourselves kind of unified and connected together is we've got these nights of worship that Ken and the worship team have been doing for uh, some time. In fact, the first time that Mary and I visited uh, Mitchell Berean, uh, when Byron and Amy Holdsworth contacted us and said, hey, you should think about coming, uh, you know, to this church maybe, Mary said, looked on the calendar, looked at the website and found Ignite Night of Worship. She said, let's go. So we just kind of came on a whim. And let me tell you something, it was powerful. We felt the presence of God uh, it, was, it was so well done by the worship team, but, it, but more than that, we saw a church that is worshiping and is listening to God and is, uh, is on, you know, on track with Him. So it was powerful. So I want you to know, if you haven't experienced yet, man, put it on your calendar. This Friday night, let's come and worship together. Let's get our hearts and our minds unified and aligned uh, around where God wants to take us. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, since Mary and I have been here, we recognize something really, really important, and that is that God is at work in this church. God is at work in this church. I know we're going through a little transition, and I know there's some things. Yeah, Miss Jackie, that's for that. He is. He is. Listen, uh, we're not floundering around. We're not lost. Look, we got a job to do. We got a mission to accomplish. There's things for us to do. So let's get together. Let's move in the same direction. And I know that God's going to continue to speak to us and use us. So be there this Friday night. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you grab that? If you look in your, in your phone, on your app, your UVersion app, wherever you uh, look at the Bible, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 2 and find verse 42? Um, I want to dig into this idea I'm calling this morning, um, uh, community, okay? So it's together uh, is the title of the message, and then community. Um, how, to, how to live out community. You know, the book of Acts, the kind of the context is, you probably know, is it's the story of the beginning of the church. It's the story of when Jesus, after he had walked this earth, after he had died on the cross for the sins of the world, after he had come back from the dead and appeared to his followers and sort of uh, demonstrated to them that he was alive, he then commissioned them to go out and reach the world, then he went back to heaven. And he said, listen, I'm going to send a comforter, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to indwell you, he's going to live in you and you're going to be baptized with the Spirit so that you'll be able to live for me. And then you're going to be witnesses for me in the world. And so the book of Acts is just this story of the movement of Jesus that became so powerful that it really reached into a lot of the world very quickly, just through these uh, leaders and through this, uh, this little church that started in Jerusalem. And so I wanted to look at today, what did they do? How did they uh, handle themselves? What were they focused on? What made them so powerful? And I think it's important for us to dig into this as we look at this idea of togetherness or community, Christian community. And so what did this early church do? Well, let's read this um, this verse together. And th- uh, there's four things in here we're going to look at, two of them this week and two next week. But Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this, then they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These are the four things that they devoted themselves to. They they made sure that they did these things together no matter what. They didn't let anything get in the way of these four things. And it's key. Like I said last week, I'm a simple guy and I like simple lists and simple things that I can understand. And here's four things that I think we can dig into. We can all understand and we can get lined up uh, on these four things. So what are the things that they were devoted to? The first thing that we see in this verse is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, or they had a shared source of authority. They had a shared source of authority. They were all listening to the same uh, commander. They were all reading the same book. They were all following the same guidelines or the same leaders. So important if you're gonna have a group of people move forward uh, together and accomplish things. And so this group did. They were led by the apostles. So who were the apostles? The apostles. Well, the apostles, who were the leaders of the church at this time, after Jesus went to heaven, started off as the 12 disciples, who were just fishermen and blue-collar guys that followed him. They didn't know a lot when he picked them. They were kind of uh, uneducated, a little rough. And Jesus picked these guys, and he said, come and follow me. And they literally lived with him for three years. They traveled around. They got to see him uh, interact with people, Uh, got to see him heal the sick to, um, to teach when he taught the masses and, uh, and, and you know, communicated the truth of God to people. They got to watch him as he interacted with the challenge of the Pharisees and the religious leaders as they questioned Jesus and tried to trip him up. So they watched him do all of this. So they learned who Jesus was and what he was about. And so now as this new church begins, the apostles become an authoritative voice. They become the ones who are teaching And who are leading this uh, group of people, this new movement. And some of them uh, authored works that made it into and really became the New Testament that we have today. Some of them wrote accounts of Jesus' life. They recorded the story of Jesus so that it would be preserved and passed down through the generations. And so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because of the testimony, the witness of these apostles. We also, some of them, wrote books uh, to educate people to deal with different issues. We have uh, John's writings, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the Gospel of John. And so he did some work to make sure that the people of his day understood uh, what the truth was and what they should follow. And so um, because God has preserved these things for us, we can sit under the apostles' teaching today as well, right? Right? We have a New Testament filled with their writings. It's been protected for us and preserved. And, uh, and it's something, it's a resource we really need to take advantage of. But as we meet together in community, we're going to listen to the apostles' teaching. We're going to listen to the inspired word of God. It's going to be the authority that speaks to us. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, <clears throat> Paul is writing to a young pastor and he tells him the power of, And the uses that scripture has. This is what it says. All scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So scripture is powerful. It's useful for us to be trained, and to have our lives corrected. Uh, we just took our daughter, Annie, youngest daughter, to—you uh, bringing that for me, sir? Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Getting a little scratchy up here. Um, we just took our youngest daughter, Annie, to college, and we had a moment— where and over the last year she graduated high school and kind of went through her senior year where uh, she began to articulate some really good things you know you invest in your kids and you you try to sorry kids but this is how it goes for parents some of you in here you raise your kids and you hope they get it right they hope that some of it sticks and that man when they go off on their own that they have what they need to make it and so um so Annie as she's moving through her senior year she's trying to decide what she should do what am I going to do after college and Um, she began to express this uh, desire, this conviction to grow in her faith. And and she said, listen, Dad, um, you know, my sister-in-law, her brother's wife went to this little college up in Estes Park, and she said good things about it, and so Annie began to talk about that. Well, um, during that senior year, uh, Annie had a really good friend that she went to youth group with at times, and her friend uh, came to her youth group, and you know, they were good buddies, and so um, they began to talk, this friend and Annie, about what was going to happen. And Annie said, I'm going to go to this Bible college up in Estes Park. And her friend said, listen, we need to go to school together. You should come to school with me. We can go to church together. And, uh, and Annie said, listen, I've been to your youth group. And I kind of know what it's like. She goes, no offense, but you guys just kind of read the Bible and then people say what they think it means to them. And, you know, it's very kind of loose. She goes, I need to be taught what the Bible says so I know how to live my life. I was like, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Annie. <clears throat> but, but she did. She started to grasp at it. I said, man, Annie, that was pretty direct. She said, well, we're good friends. She knows. You know, but, uh, but it's true. It's like, she goes, I need, I need some substance here. I need to know what the Bible says. And as we dropped Annie off at the school, it was so encouraging to hear the president say, yeah, this is really our goal. It's to teach the students the Bible. They'll sit through 600 hours of class time over the next year. It's a lot that we give them. But our goal is to help them figure out how to live this out, how to apply those things to their life. And that really is what matters. Um, it doesn't upset me so much when I see people that don't follow Jesus uh, you know, doing things that, that I don't think are right or the scriptures speak against. You know, what else are they going to do man they're not following the same rules that i am they're not following the same instructions i am but it is discouraging to me and sometimes concerning when i see christians doing things that are outside of what god's will is and they either don't know or don't care and i go man listen uh, the scriptures are important they're supposed to be the authority in our lives they are supposed to inform our opinions not our opinions inform what the scripture says And so it's important that we get that. Listen, as we grow together, understanding that the scriptures are our guide, that this is our source of authority is so important. As we see it that way, it unifies us. It brings us together because we're all listening to the same thing. We're all following the same God in the same way. Now, don't get me wrong. We have the same scriptures, but since the church began... There's been differing opinions sometimes on what the scriptures mean. Maybe you've gotten into a discussion with somebody about what a verse means or what we're supposed to do with this passage or that one or what God's will for us really is in a certain area. And I'm not saying there's not room for differences of opinion. It's fine. It's easy to kind of get that attitude that, no, I'm the one that's got it figured out. And uh, if everyone just agree with me, man, the world would be a better place right? It's easy to get that attitude. There's a story uh, that I read about a guy that died and he goes to heaven. He stands in front of St. Peter and St. Peter says, which denomination did you belong to? And he says, "Uh, I belong to um, Lutheran was my denomination. He said, all right, well go down to room 24, but be real quiet as you pass room eight. And then another guy died and he went to heaven and stood in front of uh, St. Peter. and St. Peter said, which religion are you? And he said, Presbyterian. And uh, St. Peter said, well, go down to room 11, but be real quiet as you pass room 8. And finally, uh, the last guy passed away. He goes to heaven, and then St. Peter says what uh, denomination? He says, Methodist. Uh, Go to room uh, 35, but be really quiet as you pass room 8. And the guy goes, listen, I understand that you're segregating us into different rooms based on what church we belong to, but what's the deal with room 8? Why do we got to be so quiet? And he said, well, the Baptists are in room 8, and they think they're the only ones here. (laughs) <laughs> okay it's easy to get that attitude where we say i've got it all figured out i'm right uh, one of my coworkers used to have this sign on his desk that said you know i could agree with you but then we'd both be wrong yeah <clears throat> listen we need to have a conviction understand that the scriptures speak to us they're a source of authority we're not imposing meaning on the bible but we're trying to understand what god has for us there but we need to do it with some humility Unity is very important as well. In this uh, this passage in Acts, in this verse, the second thing that the believers were devoted to is they were devoted to fellowship. They had relational unity. Relational unity was kind of the second key component. This word for fellowship in Acts 2.42 is really, the Greek word for it is koinonia. Now, koinonia has this idea of contribution, participation, sharing. It's an invested relationship. It's not a casual one. This is one where I'm engaged with these people. I'm investing in their life. They're investing in me. I'm participating in what's going on. I'm sharing what I have with them at times. And there's this shared relationship. This is a key component to Christian community. It's so important for us to experience this. Um, There's some keys to what fellowship should include. And these are found in scripture. These are a few of them. Our fellowship should be focused on Jesus. Our fellowship should be focused on Jesus. When we get together in a life group, when we get together as believers, Jesus needs to be the center of what we're doing, what we're talking about. And, uh, and, and Jesus actually promises to join us when we gather together. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said this, For where two or three are uh, together, gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So when we gather together, we have the presence of Jesus, and we need to remember that. It needs to be a focus for us. Our fellowship should uh, provide support for each other. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Uh, it's, it's so important that as we go through life, we're going to face Difficulties that we have the support that we need. Mary and I were a part of a, a life group or a small group years ago and uh, the church that we were going to, and we led the group, and there was a number of people that joined one year, and one of them was a gal named Cynthia. Now, Cynthia was probably in her mid-30s. She had two girls, and uh, she came alone to the group because her husband wasn't a believer, right? And so she would come be a part of our group. And so we began to get to know each other, and we went through group together for about a year and at some point, I think between the end of that year and the beginning of the next next year's, uh, you know, group, she got a tough diagnosis. She found that she had cancer, and it was it was bad. And so she began to fight that. And of course, because she was a part of our group, man, all of us as a group gathered around her to support her and help her through that, and uh, and and just to be there for her. A very difficult time, obviously, for her, uh, and. Along the way during that time, I got to baptize her. Uh, Her commitment to Christ was strong. She did not waver as she struggled with that difficult disease. And it came to the point, sadly, that uh, she passed away. And this was hard for us, but I'm just telling you, as a group, man, it pulled us together and we were there for her. We walked through that together. And as hard as it was, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And uh, she had asked me to do the funeral. she had some of her family that weren't believers. And so at the funeral, she said, Pastor John, make sure that you share the gospel. And so I did. And I had everyone bow to pray. And uh, I said, Listen, if any of you want to trust in Jesus as your Savior today, just lift your hand up. And her mom is sitting on the front row, lift her hand up. Um, it was powerful. Listen, we need support. <laughs> we need support. I can't handle everything in this life. I'd like to think I could. Um, you know, I might send you the message that I can handle it, right? But, but I need support. Since I've been here, Mary and I have received so much encouragement from this church. It's just been incredible in our lives to be here and to be in this community. We're so thankful for it and for you. And so many of you have reached out just to, to give a word of encouragement, to lift us up, to say you're thankful that we're here. It means so much. We need that support. Our fellowship uh, should be an example to the world, as we gather together, Jesus said this, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. An evidence to the world that we belong to Him, that we're different, is the fellowship that we have together, the love that we have together. Um, lastly, our fellowship should be unified. Acts two uh, forty four, just a couple of verses after the one we're focused on this morning, says this All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were unified, right? They had this sense of oneness and they were headed the same direction, following the same leader and listening to the same teaching. Jesus wants us to have this unity. It's so important that we uh, work to foster it. We all have watched, uh, you know, the, the the Huskers as coach Frost has come on last year. You know, there was some conflict, right, on the team. There's some players that didn't like him, didn't want to play for him, didn't agree. I remember seeing other players get up, you know, and say, listen, if you don't like this team, go find another place to play. Like, we're following Coach Frost. And it was good to see that, but it was a difficult time. This year, things have improved in that category a little bit, and there's a little more unity. Um, Coach uh, Herm Edwards, which you guys may have seen and heard of, is a pretty fiery, colorful coach. He used to coach in the NFL. Now he's out in Arizona coaching college football. But he used to say this, the players that play on my team play for the name on the side of the helmet not on the, for the name on the back of the jersey, right? And so the priority is, listen, we're a church following Jesus. He's the name on the side of the helmet. We're a part of his team, and we're going to work together. What I think and what I want has to take second place. It has to be more important that we're unified together. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, one of my favorite passages in the Scripture, talks about how we can achieve this unity. What is it that we need to have and do and practice together? Um, This is what it says, verses 1 through 4 of Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, this is Paul speaking, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves unified Are united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. It's so important that we get this, that we fight for it. Unity can be tough. Listen, I've lived with the same person for almost 30 years, and it's a woman, right? So she's opposite of me. And I know I don't ever get on her nerves because I'm perfect, but, <laughs> but she gets on, right? We, we irritate each other a little bit. We want to do things a little differently. It can be tough when you're in relationships for a long time. Trying to get along is something that we have to fight for. We have to work at it. We have to continue to foster that good relationship we got to forgive people for the irritations. We've got to learn to let things go. Not make such a big deal out of it. I remember hearing a comedian, I think it was Sinbad, a little marriage advice, but he said, listen, if it's not worth divorcing over, then keep it to yourself. <laughs> okay, that would affect our homes a lot. Um, <clears throat> sorry, that was just a bonus. But here's the deal. In our, in our community, in our church, as we work together, that we are unified, that we're working and fighting to stay connected. The devil would like nothing better than to get us fragmented. When we're fragmented, when we're irritated at each other, when we can't, and we don't want to see that person. I don't want to talk to them. They're driving me nuts. That kind of thing breaks down the power that we can have together to move in the same direction, to accomplish the mission that God has for us. We got to stay focused. Um, there were, there's a story about a family that wanted to uh, get into ranching. And so they're from New York, and so they bought some land out west, and they, they moved out there, got some cattle, and, and one of their friends came to visit. And he said, hey, he asked the, the rancher, what did you decide to call your ranch? And he said, well, we had a little bit of trouble. See, I like the, the Bar J. And my wife liked, the, liked uh, Susie Q for a name. And then one of our sons liked the Flying W, and the other one liked the Lazy Y. And so we ended up calling it uh, the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y Ranch. And he said, oh, so, but but where's all your cattle? And he said, yeah, none of them survived the branding. See, I knew that would work perfectly in this church. You guys would get that. Um, I want you to experience Christian community. I want you to experience that, um, that uh, connection that comes, the growth that you'll experience from it, the bond that grows between us. It's, it's like nothing else you've er, ever experienced. And so I'm going to ask you to do something today as we leave. As I said, we've got some tables set out in the lobby. There's some, op, there's some openings there. We've got groups for uh, seasoned saints. We've got groups for married couples, for singles. We've got mixed groups, or excuse me, for mixed groups, We've got couples uh, or uh, small groups, men's groups and women's groups. We've even got a group for uh, families with special needs kids. We're trying to do whatever we can to create opportunities for you to circle up, for you to get with other people. And so I'm going to ask you to take a step. Some of you are not in a group. You haven't ever done it before. Maybe you had a bad experience. You got some apprehensions. You're going, if I get in a group of Christians, then I'm going to be asked to share my sins, right? I'm going to have to confess, or, or they're going to ask me Bible questions that I don't know. Or somebody's going to say, hey, would you close us in prayer? I don't like to pray in pu-. You know, I mean, there's all these things. And we get we get concerned and we let those things kind of, you know, get in our head. I just want to encourage you with this. You're not going to be asked to pray in public, uh, at least for a couple weeks. And, uh, and you won't be asked any Bible questions. Listen, we have some great leaders. They really do love people. You're not going to be judged harshly, at least not any worse than you judge them. You know what I mean? We all judge each other a little bit. Hey, listen, uh, it's going to be a place where you're accepted and loved. We, we want you to be there. Our leaders want you to be in a group. And so they're going to facilitate that. And so I just want to ask you, I know it's a stretch. I'm a new, new pastor here. You go, eh, he's not really going to know if I don't do it. Listen, would you please, would you please just prayerfully consider taking a step? You know, sometimes we grow the most when we're kind of uncomfortable. And I've realized as a pastor, it's not my job to make the church feel good. It's my job to help the church grow. And I help you grow sometimes when I make you a little uncomfortable. That's just how it works. I mean, when we moved here, we bought an acreage and I got some alfalfa. And, uh, and I bought a little small square baler in a track, you know, to try to, well, let me tell you something. For the first cutting that I did, you know, I thought, I don't know if I'm really fit to be a pastor because... <laughs> You know, I'm pretty frustrated and angry and, you know, but, but here's the thing. As you stick with it and you get through the uncomfortable season, then you start to learn what it's like and you become more comfortable with And all of a sudden I know how to do some stuff I didn't know before. And the same thing can happen for you. You need Christian community. I want to ask you to take a step. We're going to have some study guides that we'll get here next week and everybody will get one of those so you can be prepared, so you can grow together. So take a, take a chance. Uh, go out and check out those groups and, and please, uh, if God would lead you to do so, sign up for one. Hey, let me close this in prayer. God, thank you so much for this church. We thank you for the opportunity again to be here to worship together, to learn together. Father, I pray that you would move us in the direction you want us to go. Help us to be available. Help us to be willing. Father, I pray for those that need, man, they're, they're feeling that they need to take a step to get in a group. Father, I just pray that you'd help them overcome those concerns, uh, um, and, just, um, and just helping to take that step to grow, to connect better in this church, to build some friendships and relationships that can be there for them in the future. God, thank you for this day. I praise you for all things. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.